Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is broadcast directly from a tiny house. I'm Alex. In the mirror realm, anything can happen. Hairstyles and outfits can change like when you want. So look at the bustier I'm wearing. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 8, Chapter 103, The Town. Now, brief bit of recap <laughs> to uh-huh. bring you up to speed here. I'm going to try. All I'm right. Try I, you bad. said brief. You said brief. So let's just yeah, let there have we go. Some Everybody has superpowers time. and Cheryl's trapped in a mirror. The end. We got it. We're good to wow. go. Good. That is pretty good. Yes. Betty has lured her arch nemesis, the trash bag killer, out of town to keep everybody safe. So she is mostly not in this episode. However, she has developed the power to see evil auras and at the same time is getting migraines. So that's a little bit of information. Hold on to that for the end of the episode. Archie has also gotten powers. He is super strong. He is invincible, but is kryptonite is a mineral element. I don't know. Called palladium, (laughs) something like that. Uh, Uh, Whatever it is. And there's one more person with powers who is Jughead Jones. As we discovered at the end of the last episode, he has lost his hearing but gained the ability to hear people's thoughts, which he uses quite a bit this episode. One other character you should know about is Percival Pickens, a new potentially evil businessman. Maybe maybe a good guy. But maybe a good guy with some interesting ideas. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, that's awful, dude. Uh, has shown up in town. He is the ancestor of General Pickens. However, he has an English accent, which we delve into further this episode. Well, it's interesting you say you say ancestor because I think he's technically a descendant. Mm. But what if he is some sort of immortal dude with a pro with Ooh. issues? Mm. That's not just a kill. Him. Yeah, could be. Could be. Let's get more into that in a second. Moving over to the Cheryl Blossom side of things, her body has been taken over by her ancestor. I got that correct this time. Abigail Blossom, who is gunning for Tony Topaz, who reminds her of her lady love back in the day. Tomasina Topaz, another ancestor of Tony. Still getting it. Correct? Yeah. Crushing okay, it. Great. I'm not trying to correct you. You, you inspired me with an idea. Like this facts is wrong. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. No, we do corrections at the end. We do corrections (laughs) at the end. Okay. In the footnotes of the podcast. So she has banished Cheryl, except as we found out in the last episode, Cheryl is actually trapped in some sort of mirror dimension. Again, we delve into further into that. Britta who is Cheryl's young ward, discovered this information. And also Nana Rose, who summoned Abigail in the first place and got rid of Cheryl, has been thrown in a room full of hay, which is definitely not a barn. And I'm going to double down it. It's a cool ranch. She, it's a cool ranch, as we learned last episode. But let me, no matter what it is, he's she's got one thriving. under his belt. I'm just gonna, milking that fucker. Yeah, That's it. There you go. 
She is thriving in that barn area. Whatever we, She's whatever you want to do, she could eat. She's doing great. Oh, She's doing amazing. She's awful. just chewing the cud. Yep. Meanwhile, a couple what of other characters we should mention there. Reggie and Veronica have started a casino at mm. Hiram Lodge. Veronica's father died due to a hit that she called on him. We had his funeral the last episode. And also in the last episode, we met a helper of Veronica's grandma who is named Geraldo. The Iceman. The yeah, Iceman. The Iceman. And he shows up again this episode. And Tabitha works at Pops, which seems to be doing fine after being burnt down. Uh, Tony manages the White Worm, which is under Pops. Tony and Fangs are together. And Kevin is working, I guess, right. as a deputy for it's his dad. It's not funny anymore. This what? this episode went too far. It's The shitting on Kevin has gone too far. This is just... There's no need for it to be Kevin. You didn't here's, have to make here's it Here's what Kevin. I've learned. Okay, if you want to jump right to that, to because I'm sure there's Kevin. other things we need to recap, but Kevin, at a certain point, gets clocked in the head, clocked by Doc, with a hammer. Doc clock. Doc clock. Uh, gets hit with a hammer. And I it's will say, funny. I understand you're upset. He, get, he, gets, hammered. he gets hammered. No, Betty, it's Archie, not, Jughead it's got blown much, up guys. and they got powers. So maybe this is how you get powers. No, maybe Kevin no. is. Kevin has gone through too much. It's just not funny. Make it somebody else. Come on. Like, you can't Who? keep doing this to Kevin. You can't Who, do this to Kevin. Who would you be? There's no other character. I mean, come on. <laughs> Everybody else has been hit in the head with a hammer so far, so... Poor uh, Kevin, man. It would be repetitive storytelling. Oh, it's too much. I I think it makes sense. He's a deputy. He's a target now. He's a little in law enforcement. He's a father. He's hammered. And (laughs) now he's got Percival's going to be his his partner. He's deputized. Yeah. Absolutely awful. Why don't we walk through this episode, and I think we can kind of walk through it bit by bit, because there is actually a lot of crisscrossing storylines this episode, which is nice to see. Always appreciate that on the old Riverdale. But the big thing we kick off with is Jughead delving more into his powers. Specifically, he can hear everybody's thoughts as they're about to say them, so as pretending that he can actually hear, even though he can't hear what do you think about this development in general and how it plays out during the episode? Well, it makes me – I thought it was cool the way they sort of showed it to us. Um, it does sort of just sort of negate the whole hearing loss thing in a way. Like after he explains it at the top of the episode, he's just floating along fine. Yeah. Um, so at that part, I'm not quite – I don't quite understand why it went – because he could have just not lost his hearing and started being able to hear people's – Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think this gets into a frequent debate we have about the show is when they delve into realistic storylines, how much they should stick with it. And the answer here is not much. I mean, they don't do it very much, which is a bummer because I think it was treated so emotionally and well and grounded in the last episode. I do think there's a way to have him be grappling with his new deafness, but at the same time, being able to hear people's thoughts. But like you said, they kind of jump past that said to throw something else even further. Maybe you're about to say the same thing. Both Betty and Archie, as they develop their powers have hit some stumbling blocks. We see that very clearly with Betty, this episode, Archie also, it's not immediately clear. Like he has the palladium weakness, but 
Jughead is exploring his powers this episode. I do wonder if there's going to be a downside to them in the next episode. Other I, well, death, I did you want to just keep doing the whole podcast by yourself and do all the I counterpoints? Would love to. Absolutely. That'd do be we great. get to say anything about this? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, Pete, I started to tell you this. You're trapped in a mirror realm. Um, so it's going to be hard for you to talk to anybody unless we become dream warriors, which oh. I'm working on. Pete, okay. uh, get the water hangers, Pete. No, Pete. come on. That was too much, man. You got That's scared of it. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Well, while we're talking about um, Jughead and Powers, I think eventually this season is going to arc toward them losing or giving up their powers as it becomes a problem. And then I think all of this underlying stuff will become important again. Well, I mean, you know, the whole uh, rom-com of it all, you know, like the kind of like uh, uh, when you can uh, hear women's thoughts, you know, uh, it, it, I just think it means Jughead's going to fall back in love again soon. And, uh, you know, then he's... He is in love with Tabitha. You have to stop. You really have to stop. Listen, I understand what you're getting at. Start, I'm not saying Bughead is never going to come back. But at this point, Tabitha and Jughead are in a relationship. They no seem way. very... No let me, let me. way. I'm in total <laughs> denial about it. Okay. Cool. It's a long way around the barn to reference the uh, late 90s movie What Women Want as your means of Starring getting Bughead Bell back. Gibson, one of <laughs> yeah, the ooh, worst ouch. humans alive currently. So thanks, Pete. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> really booing up your point that there. up. I was trying not to bring that up. but You uh, literally okay. are the one who brought that up. But yeah, but I don't I know if you were trying to, not to bring it up. I, I was trying to skip that part of it, but uh, you're really right. the Mad Max of this podcast, Pete. <laughs> oh, no. That's true. What, yes. what has happened? This podcast I mean, what's is nice a Thunderdome. We barely get any uh, Barchi in this. You get like a half a hug, and I was like, "Yeah." So that means. Well, Jughead's I will say, rising. as we're continuing to jump around, you get a half a hug at the end of the episode, but. As uh, several folks pointed out on Twitter, they have broken the two-episode curse at this point, that Barchi would pop up for an episode and then disappear. They're still going strong at the end of this episode, and by all indications, I know, no, be for several going episodes strong, they haven't Barchi's seen strong. each other the whole time. It was like five seconds at the end, it was like a hug, like, oh, yeah, you're still around. I can't really Wait, deal with you. How do relationships work in your life, Pete? You have to be with the partner <laughs> every minute of the day? Yeah. Yeah, nice. you, you, you have, a, this, you have sort of a first. You have a first grade understanding yeah, of boyfriend girlfriend. Pete's girlfriend is on the other side of the Zoom right now, staring at him because otherwise his object permanence <laughs> <laughs> just allows him to think that she's uh, broken up with him. Right, Pete? Yeah, she's the only one who t- tethers me to this realm. Oh, man, yeah, oh wow! Funny. The idea of someone watching Pete on this podcast being like perfect, thumbs up, <laughs> no no, doing no, no, great. Cool Ranch, baby. <laughs> just like, say just Cool up, Ranch like, again. Cool that ranch, was yeah, a win. Cool, yeah. uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Trouble, uh, go back to the ranch. Jughead and Tabitha going strong. Betty and Archie going strong. Maybe it'll change at some point in the future, but co- cool, it, cool Ranch it on your agenda for a second, Pete, as we continue to rock through the episode, uh, because the then we get an opening montage. Uh, there's an article montage. in... What I believe is the high school newspaper. <laughs> of course. That's where the, all the best stuff happens. Gosh. Yeah. Woo! Uh, uh, the adult who manages the high school newspaper, that being Jughead, allowed another adult, Percival Pickens, to publish an op-ed in 
the high school newspaper titled Riverdale Worst when Town you're in America. Out of ideas, you'll and take everybody got upset. You'll just take letters from some random person. And here's the thing. He's not wrong. What? Right? You're Riverdale, on Percival's side? Yeah, strong, I mean, you're on the evil I'm not saying side? where hold on. Where Percival ends up in terms of bussing homeless people out of town, obviously not a solution. Also, tidy houses, and that's it, not just a solution. Okay, well, but whoa. is Percival wrong? We have watched five plus seasons of the show right now. Riverdale is the worst town in America. I don't know who is um, uh, monitoring your side of this Zoom podcast, Alex, but they should put a big thumbs down. Yeah. Percival Pickens is over there. He's like, uh, cool rad, baby. <laughs> Riverdale has its struggles. And uh, sure, there's been more murders and suicides there, as we see in this episode, than most behind. major metropolitan areas in the country slash world. But this town has a little something different, and that's called Pep. <laughs> no, I hadn't really thought about the pep. You are. Well, right have you thought that. about the pep? Because I don't know any other towns. Consider there. Yeah. No towns in America have as much pep. Um, and also, I guess pep is drama. Alex, they weren't just like single finally put on a bus and given a hundred dollars. That's just what he said. It, it means him. Officer Put Keller probably pulled out his gun and like made people run for their lives. And oh like God. it got fucking bad, dude. Don't make it seem like, oh, they're gone. Oh, that must have happened really nicely and peacefully. Maybe well, we talked about we talked about Percival last time and uh, we made the connection to the music man. Um, and I think that's fully what we're getting in this episode. Sort of a more evil uh, version of that where he can actually make people do what he says when he influences – by influencing them. Well, and another reference that we talked about in the last episode was Needful Things, the Stephen King book. And it, it's not exactly the same one for one, but in that book, it's the same sort of thing where like this guy presents deals to people – and they take them, and of course, they end up terribly. So this is getting a little far afield from Pete implying that they had a wood chipper inside the bus, and they were just walking into a wood chipper, and then Pops is going to start serving homeless man burgers. Right, Pete? Is that where you're getting at? Meat pies. Meat pies. Oh, it's a sweetie. Oh, dog. nice. Look at this. What a musical cool. uh, lexicon we have. Um, well, and also, we don't 100% know that he's the bad guy here because as Doc, after he takes a swipe at Kevin with a hammer and is put in jail, oh, his Jesus only Christ, clue is that it might have been someone with a British accent. Mm. So we, it, could be, it could be anybody. What with do you think British it was anybody? Do you think it's Piers Morgan? Again, Piers Morgan, great. Ricky yeah. Gervais, the Mr. Queen. Bean. Let's oh. not leave the Queen out. She's been missing a whole lot. Wait, Maybe she's in Riverdale. Mr. Bean? Mr. How Bean, dare yeah. you? Rowan Mr. Atkinson. Bean, famously not the chattiest of British accented people. <laughs> I don't know well, if you're we, familiar uh, with We the, can rule out Mr. Bean. Yeah, I always rule out Mr. Bean. <laughs> I'm going to go to my murder board, which is uh, on the other side of me, next to Percival Pickens, and I'm going to pull Mr. Bean off of the board. And Thank uh, you. No <laughs> All British people are suspects. Um, <laughs> I thought it was very funny throughout this episode how much they were like, this accent. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> In I, Riverdale, they don't have any prestige television. Though? Legit, I think he is a really good villain, and he is uh, maybe the part of this season that I'm enjoying the most so far. The way nope. Chris O'Shea, who's the actor, is playing him, I think it's just great. Like there's there's something to his smirk, his smile, his delivery. There's little lines throughout. There was one 
that scene where he's sitting down with Archie after the town hall meeting and Archie's like, hey, let's, you know, put our stuff aside. Let's figure out how we can reach a middle ground here. But he asks him, uh, he asks him, uh, oh, did you did you come from England directly? And he goes, oh, no. And then there's just this weird, long, uncomfortable pause afterwards where he's just smiling at him. Great. Loved it. Well, I agree. Dude. Like, I think having a villain like this who doesn't have any connection to anyone, who just like Hiram, it was always a little bit uh, tilted by his connection to Veronica. But having just a straight up villain walk into town and he starts causing trouble and he's also like a smiling, uh, like menace, menacing villain. He He's fun in that way. And Archie just doesn't know how to handle him. Like when he sits down with him, that scene you're talking about goes, so you're English. <laughs> it's just like uh, we have a real, very basic starting point with the, the I mean, mystery Archie here. is not working with all the tools in his shed this entire episode because he wants to beat up Jughead. That he wants he to punch beat the up truck. I mean, come on, that's just this. He ruined his coffee container, which, as we all know, you, you gotta hold on to that. Totally. Uh, yeah, he's just responding with anger nonstop. Maybe it's because Betty's out of town, you know, to keep him even. Something. One hundred percent. I mean, it was not having Betty at all on this episode. No Betty. This was a one. How many episodes have we had without with this little amount of Betty in it? Not many. It's pretty surprising. I'll throw a theory out at you. This episode, our product sponsorship besides Chime was uh, Benjamin Moore. So maybe since he was eating Doritos last episode, do you think this episode he was eating paint chips? Uh, it sort of checks out. That Benjamin Moore drop checks in the middle of the episode, out. I was like, what What Riverdale heads out there are just like, yeah, that's my paint brand. <laughs> well, here's Benjamin the wild Moore. thing about I'll that that makes – I don't know why this bothered me in an episode where Cheryl is trapped in a mirror dreamscape. But the fact that they're like, oh, God, how are we going to get funding for this, for this thing? This is so impossible. The whole town shutting it down. By the way, Benjamin Moore is sponsoring our paint. There's – there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I feel like maybe they could get somebody from, I don't know, Benjamin Moore. Well, once you get that that diner sponsorship, you're going to pay up with some like excellent paint. Yeah. Um, and Benjamin Moore makes some high quality paint. Those houses are use multiple colors, which means people right, are going right, to be right. out there buying First many, off, many buckets. Those homes were adorable. OK, I'm not going to sit here and let you guys shit on those adorable homes. No, no, no. I thought those homes were great. I... Uh, Love that idea, and that is a real-world idea as well, so I really appreciated bringing that in. And I think my immediate thought was like, you're kind of ignoring the mental health part of helping out the homeless population, but I feel like that probably would have overcomplicated the episode, potentially. But I like the tiny house idea, or what are they called, mini homes? Something like that. Yeah, I think of those micro homes. Micro homes, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea. I love it. Um, I don't know if they're going to continue it, but... I would live in a little home in the parking lot of Pops. That sounds fun. Oh, my God. I could just roll out of my mini home, walk into Pops, and get food. Oh, fantastic. Healthy lifestyle for you, Pete. (laughs) Living in a diner parking lot, eating exclusively French fries and cheesesteaks. Shakes? Oh, come on, man. That would be the best. Yeah. Just watching as uh, Jughead and Tabitha's romance continues. This would be perfect life for you. you know, know, being able to take Tabitha's side and be like, hey, Tabs, you can do better than this. You know what I mean? Like, let's I talk don't about understand. It a bit. We're, we're let's not. No, no. The, like a reverse uh, romantic comedy. Yeah, an anti matchmaker. Whole tiny homes thing. I think there were actually like a bunch of very nice shots 
in yeah. this sequence as well, like them outside at night with the tiny homes. There was this lineup. It was also one of the promo stills of everybody standing there like a bad in front of them was cool. And then there was that sweet shot after Sketch Alley was cleaned out where they're walking like a superhero team with the light behind them. That was awesome. Well, let me say that walking where people used to live and now they're mysteriously gone. Like they've been swept away. I don't know if the shot is really the thing we're supposed to be focusing on. Pete, if I said, Hey, here's a hundred dollars, get on this bus. You'd do it right now. Wouldn't you? Exactly. Well, it depends on what kind of like how long the bus ride is. Are they going to stop at like a, you know, an A&W or something, or like a, you know, because some yeah. of those truck stop yeah, places they're stopping are pretty sweet. Yeah, they're stopping at A&W, get tra- on the bus. A travel plaza, you know? Yeah, you want to be able to have like a, a gift shop and a Burger King right in the yeah, same spot. right there, right there, yeah. Got you. Um, I thought this episode, just uh, widening out based on that shot you were talking about, it really felt like a more return to form. We talked a little bit last time how the episode was, there was so much happening, it felt so intense. And this one was a little bit more like, Everyone's doing their thing. Everyone's sort of working together at different points. Archie's making his usual mistakes. Like, it was, um, this was a nice episode, I thought. Oh, you thought this was a nice, sweet episode? I felt like this was, uh, you know, a classic kind of Riverdale turned up to 11 insane thing where, uh, you know, poor Kevin gets a hammer to the side of the head. Really focused on Kevin. This and, episode was like a beautiful hot fudge Sunday with little, and they just with little... took a, a giant hose to the homeless problem and everybody's like, okay, cool, cool, Why cool. Why are you yeah. assuming the worst? Assume the best. He said this is what they're going to do. I'm sure we're going to check in with them and Doc will call from his mini home in another town and be like, yeah, I'm doing much better. I'm not in Riverdale anymore. The worst town in America. Oh my God. Yeah, Percival's making a Campaign against Riverdale, so it's it's just it's just one move in his longer uh, longer quest. Yeah, uh, but I was saying this episode was a, just a great uh, hot fudge Sunday, and by that I mean all hot fudge, no ice cream, with a beautiful <laughs> little barchy cherry on top. So uh, yum yum, I say. Oh my god, <laughs> yum yum. Should we talk about the Cheryl storyline because that's obviously oh wildly... Abigail go finally choosing a side here and going in. Well, let's so let's start. We have what, what are uh, you talking about? Yeah, I don't, well, Abigail has been just kind of watching all the craziness, and we're kind of like, here's what I think. I think Bunkhead was your Saturday anchor, and with that loose, you're just like, I don't know what to do. You don't know. You're spinning like a top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, P, I'm concerned for you with no tether to reality, but I do love Barchi, so I gotta have to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Brief overview of the Cheryl storyline, or at least the Abigail storyline. As mentioned, Britta approaches Nana and says, hey, we got to do something about this. we got to rescue Cheryl. They realize that Cheryl is trapped in some sort of dream world. As we discover, it is her youth, and there's a lot – dreamscape, excuse me. There's a lot that we need to delve into there, but Jason is there, Julian is there, Penelope is there acting like mommy dearest, and ultimately Britta does break her out, reminds her of who she is. She's still trapped in the dream world at the end, uh, but Abigail seems unaware of that, and now Cheryl is going to be working with Britta to get her back. Uh, Yeah, even though I'm still not 100% bored on the supernatural element – just in terms of a ludicrously over-the-top storyline that was well-filmed and well-acted across the board. Love that. I mean, the outfits alone in the Dreamscape were fantastic. It was great to see Cheryl's mom back and, like, uh, some of the hairstyles, some of the moves. It was 
hysterical and fantastic and amazing. Uh, when Cheryl got to do her power spin move to kind of reveal that she's herself again, I mean, that was just it was just a classic, Strong amazing Cheryl. Just unbelievable. I mean, Penelope in this whole yeah. series of sequences was awesome. So intense, so wild, just running around the house at the end, running around the house, wrecking stuff. Great. Also, but, you know, Nana too, like in the in the hay room, had the like cloudy aisle dialed up. I mean, that was some really spooky stuff we were dealing with. The hay room is called a barn, you city slicker. That's where <laughs> you keep the hay. It is still not a barn. It is an interior room in the yeah. house, very clearly that has been filled with hay. It's a it's a barn. It is not yeah. a barn. Why it's do you, you? This is. It's very funny. You're like, like Pete. You're being crazy. You're this bughead <laughs> has made you crazy, and then you're double down. You're like, that's mm-hmm. no barn. I say. No. Listen, we all have our things. Nice. Well, okay. one thing I liked about this episode is where it started with Britta and uh, Nana Rose, and she Britta's like uh, Cheryl. She's like, oh, we gotta get Cheryl, and Nana Rose is like, yeah. she's in jail. There's no way you can get Cheryl. Oh yeah, well you can also well, you can you always could, uh, become a dream warrior and walk into her dreams. And- <laughs> but just make sure you wake up first, because otherwise you're in a cult. I was surprised on that note, Pete, that that didn't pay off in any way. Like I was sure there was going to be a moment when Abigail was going to discover Britta in the dream world, given that little tease there, but it didn't happen. Well, I think there's room to still do that. I feel like mm-hmm. we're still going to get some Cheryl dream. Also came and rescued her. And in and what could have been the oh crap you woke up first moment, uh, but it was kind of like Cheryl, so it was a nice kind of like oh we don't have to worry about this anymore. What do we think of the fact that Jason was like Jason's back there in the dream realm? Well, now when nice. he's talking, he said another word, which yeah. is strange. I did like him having him sit in. He's so tall and lanky, and having him sit in that crowd of tiny little kids as Penelope is feeding him his cake was very funny. Yeah. But on um, the emotional bent, on the emotional Cheryl side, there was a lot of stuff that I thought was kind of interesting there. We got this younger Cheryl mentioning Heather, who was not her first girlfriend, but the first time she realized she is attracted to women and loved women, and that... Heather was sent away, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, She's only been mentioned before. So getting two mentions of her again was really interesting. And I do wonder if we are going to see, actually see Heather in that dreamscape or see Heather come back in real life at some point. That still feels like a good dramatic thing to hit. And the other one I wanted to throw out to you guys, I feel like this is just a mention and I'm reading too much into it, but... At least part of the dreamscape seemed to be from their real history. And there was this exchange at the birthday party. I'm looking for exactly what they said. But uh, whatever it was, I'm not fighting it immediately. But basically, Britta asks Penelope, oh, isn't it Cheryl's birthday as well? And Mm. Penelope says, not this year. She doesn't get to have a birthday, that spoiled child. There was this weird thing in the first season where very briefly Jason was mentioned as being a year older than Cheryl. 
even though they're the same age as twins. So I wonder if that's like some sort of backdoor explanation of that thing. Wow, you're really pulling that apart, huh? Sure am. That's for wow. the deeply uh, astute Disturbed. fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's for the real um, obsessive compulsive. Uh, <laughs> head to my bulletin board at heyroomtruthers.com. We're talking about that pretty hardcore. Wow. See, I grew up in the country, so when people come to town, they're like, can we see your hay room? That's, we just ride them out of town on a rail when that happens. Uh, I, as Penelope, as a wall walker, it makes a lot of sense why she can so easily slip into becoming a mirror uh, warrior. Yeah. Here. No Absolutely. need to explain. Well, I, I don't I, think I was that totally was the real it. Penelope necessarily. That wasn't the real Jason. Penelope was sort of an avatar, a magical guard created by Abigail, right? I think that's right, yes. Um, Cheryl, however, I think is fully back. Like, to see mm-hmm. her here at the end of Which this... Which is um, upsetting, because, like, I was really hoping Abigail was going to fight for Tony and make some magic happen. I think I mean? that's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. Yeah. I think what we're heading towards, though, because we have both Cheryl and Abigail, is we're going to get... Madeline Patch is going to totally Jean-Claude Van Damme out and fight herself at some point, which I'm very excited about. What? <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. Was Are you talking like about when fight. Jean-Claude Van Damme had a twin brother? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was always fighting was that, himself like, in Double movies. Impact or whatever that it was? was. Double Impact. He, I think he did it in Universal Soldier as well. A couple more times. Jet oh, Li and wow. the One. Is that better? Okay. I didn't know you were such a <laughs> JCVD guy, Alex. <laughs> Just dropping yeah. the casually. Dropping constantly bringing up Tommy Boy and rom-coms that nobody's seen. And I mentioned one Jean-Claude Van Damme thing. He's like, I'm not on board with this. Yeah, I mean, those movies were... All right, all right. Well, it's cool. Great. It's cool, man. Those movies were great. Uh, well-received. Oh, definitely fresh, well-received. Fresh, Critical darling. <laughs> Critical darling Jean-Claude Van Damme. Whatever it is, I think we're going to see Cheryl fight Abigail at some point, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And I also think we're going to see Abigail... Abigail, in this episode, Tony shouts back at... Percival for mentioning his history and she's like oh when your ancestor wiped out my entire tribe and Abigail gives her a look she likes it she likes Tony Stell definitely Um, and I think that moment also the theory that I invented at the beginning of this podcast that maybe this Percival is uh, immortal it's the same guy uh, we have we've he, talked if he a lot was immortal, about immortal there. You know, when the Iceman went to do some research, there would be something on him, but there's nothing. It's like he only just existed. You know, he walked in this town and started to exist like there's nothing before. Or so you think he's a baby? <laughs> you're saying I'm saying immortal and you're Which saying he's a first? brand new baby. Yeah. You know, Riverdale, the baby, you know what I mean? Like, do you exist before Riverdale or after Riverdale? Sorry, real quick. Were you hitting the head with a hammer before we started taking it? Because maybe that's why the Kevin thing really resonated with you, because yeah. it's hard to, the, to follow you. Was that the first time you saw yourself on screen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Got hammered. I uh, Here, I'll throw out an alternate theory. I, I don't know. I mean, he could be immortal, and that's totally fine. He could be the, the devil or Satan or something like that. Yeah. But I, this is totally at the end of the episode. Over the course of the episode, we do find out that he has the power of persuasion and he has that great scene where Jughead is interviewing him and he knows Jughead is in his oh, mind. Yeah. Love That's that. Great. So much fun. That was a very cool moment. Um, I also love that scene because we find out that Gandhi 
was the original Archie in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. When he, he, they're Pete talking just about like it. this at all, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Gandhi was another movie, Pete, like around the genre. Gandhi Club, didn't go around punching trucks. I tell you that much. No, Gandhi's was known as a, a poor, truck. That puncher. poor truck didn't do anything but give you a you know place to get give you a ride. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm too. I can't even put words together anymore. Wow. So your two number one characters that you're bereft about this episode were Kevin Keller and Archie's truck. Yeah, and a truck. Yeah, <laughs> a truck. Not even Archie's truck. Just a general just a truck. random truck. Really. Yeah. I think it was Seems Archie's like truck. His, yeah, it's his truck. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Percival Pickens of it all. I did want to throw out an alternate theory. At the end of the episode, we see him, after he's manipulated everything to his way, sitting and looking at this board of everybody, not just Jughead and Betty and Archie, but all of our main characters. And he smiles a little bit. This is based on almost nothing. What if he's like a power eater? And what I mean by that is like a very comic book he absorbs and takes people's powers into himself, and that's where his power comes from. What the fuck? That's cool. I like this theory, and I think that where did dovetails you pull that from that dovetails nicely with my theory because I think that's what keeps him immortal and alive mm-hmm. all this time. So he shows up to town, like Pete said. Pete, you're part of this, um, <laughs> right? As soon as the kids have the all the the gang has powers, Percival shows up because he's hungry. He's gonna he's gonna take dine on their little juicy powers. Mm. So he's like a power vampire type thing. Pete, this is a this, really good theory you came up with. No, yeah. All right. First of all, I can't stand you guys drooling over the super villain like he's so cool <laughs> just because he smiles and winks. He's completely destroying people's love lives. And you I guys are like, oh, he's so charming. Fuck this fucking. Tell you what. Percival Evil, Pickens is horrible the true person. hero of Riverdale. Oh That's true. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, did you hear him, Pete? I think. I know. I, I'm trying to do some research on this, but I think he has, like, a British accent, which is really cool. <laughs> he might be English. <laughs> we should look further into this. Yeah, exactly. I, I, do, I did want to say, though, that the, the Iceman being like, hey, don't worry. I'll just put this guy in New Jersey, and it will be fine. Well, let's talk we, about the Veronica. Sure. So the Veronica storyline is Veronica and Reggie are deciding not to do scabs, which is really bumming Reggie out because he oh, wants to do scabs. poor Reg. And he then, says the word scams too many times in this episode. Oh, my God. Reg is having so fun funny. in this episode. Yes. It's very fun. Scams? He loves scams. Yeah. Can, can we do some scams? Let's do some scams. <laughs> Who calls it scams? I mean, that's the reason that I liked it is him calling them scams. Was so ridiculous. Well, and for, especially when you're like, "Let's do a scam." Here's our first scam: hiding this body that <laughs> is hanging in our casino. It's like that's not a scam. Oh, you you rapscallions! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you I kids. saw that. Wasn't that an episode of the Apple Dumpling Gag where they found the guy hanging in the casino and had to hide the body? Yeah, the, uh, the little rascals were always like, "Hey, we gotta ditch this corpse." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, dog, with a patch over its eye? Oh, oh come on, man! <laughs> I'll eat the corpse. I'm a dog. <laughs> oh, hey, on. that's the little rascals. <laughs> so they try not to do scabs, and then Alice is very mean to Veronica. Like, yeah, like yes. to the point of being Alice rude. Go- just going off for no reason. Like, what the fuck? Can we talk about the fact that, like, granted, Veronica called a hit on her father. By there's that. But as far as we know, she had the funeral for her father yesterday. 
And everybody yeah. was like, A, we're not coming to the funeral. And then B, they're like, you suck and you're just like your father. This was, this was very rough on Veronica this episode. Yeah, and she's clearly struggling with all of that. She's like, let's just give up on this legacy. And then she's like, let's put Hiram's picture up here yeah, to right show people. Yeah, behind you, Reggie, where you sit. Let's put this picture creepy. up to, to show people what we're not, which I think is a fine strategy. That's why I have no, a painting. No, that's a mixed of, message. That's a mixed message. You think so? Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't think that. That's why I have Having a huge painting. Having a painting of somebody Wait, hold on. I want, to see what, I want to hear what Justin has painting up. Oh, <laughs> I have a huge painting of Bughead right here on the wall, just as a reminder of what we are not. What we are not. Oh, wow, that was better oh, than man. I expected. I still yeah, I got you. <laughs> you trying to I'm burn me and I burn you. at the end. Uh, Maybe he's turning the corner on Bughead Listen, they're Really putting in the work here to push Veronica and by extension Reggie Because I think like He's um, It's a reminder of what we're not Different meeting Different meeting, wow I can't, I can't parse either of these meetings. It's too complicated. Uh, they're really putting in the work here to push Veronica into the Hiram role. And she's doing like very much the like, fine, you want a villain? I'll be your villain type thing. But like, I, I, I'm not on board with it. I want better for really? Veronica. I want, it, maybe this is a more comfortable place for her in terms of the writing and the way that they're sending it. But like, She's been so on the side of everything for five plus seasons now. The fact that everybody else is like, ooh, we have superpowers and we're dealing with this supervillain who came into town. And she's like, well, I'm running my casino. It's just another thing that puts her on her own track and separates her from everybody else. When I want to see her interacting with the other characters. I want to see her. uh, Yeah. What are you going to say, Justin? I was going to say, I feel like that's because the show is holding sort of the reconciling the Betty Veronica Archie stuff. And so until they do that, she can't really be in the mix with everyone else because it would complicate that. And yeah. I don't so know I if think- you're aware, like Cheryl and Veronica are kind of like wrecking balls when they're involved. They, they just kind of bulldoze and kind of like, you know, uh, so every once in a while you got to hold them back a little bit, give them something else to do so they can kind of like, you know, be in their own little thing. Don't worry, they'll, they'll get back into the swing of things. Well, it's uh, just, but I'll throw know. something out at you and maybe this is exactly what you're getting at, Justin. But when Archie goes to Tony and Tabitha and says, hey, as two prominent business owners, I would love to have you sponsor tiny houses, uh, which I thought was great. And I love Tony and Tabitha together. I love Tabitha being in a storyline that was separate from Jughead for the most part. Yeah. I thought that was really good as well. That's something we've asked for a lot. Although but, it felt like Archie was kind of like over nicing it where Tabitha was like, yeah, I'm still in. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, it was much weirder while we're getting far afield with Tony. It was like, I don't know if this is going to properly represent my gang bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't have the white worm's name on, name on this tiny house. This is Not too with adorable. The, yeah. But Veronica is also a business owner, and she owns multiple businesses, including, I guess I, maybe I'm not keeping track of it, I think including Pops of the White Worms. So, like, if she still owns them, I'm not 100% clear on that. But, like, that feels like the I think like she gave them thing. up. Yeah, I she, think she yeah, gave I up those. She lost but, them. Oh, did she? She owns the ju- the jewelry store still. She right? owns the jewelry store, which was burgled, so maybe she doesn't own that anymore. But yeah. isn't yeah. very briefly there was the uh, stock firm that was behind the jewelry store, which was a front for the casino. So I don't know how that's working. My point being that there was a way, 
and this is just like totally fanficking it, but there was a way for Archie to be like, I've got this tiny, tiny house thing and we need money. You have a casino that you need to make legit. Let's work together on this. But I understand why that did happen. It gets back to the thing I was saying, where I think they are separating Veronica even further from everybody. But in my mind, that's a little bit of a bummer because it felt like that solution is right, right there. I like the characters working together. So again, m- just my little fanfic there, but it's a direction they could have gone in if they wanted to. Well, I think that's kind of like, uh, to me, uh, Veronica is best when she kind of has Archie to kind of like tamp down her evil side a little bit and be like, hey, let's help the community. Let's help the town. We could use your, instead of you going off on a crazy plan, like let's try to, you know, uh, oh, do you help think, Riverdale. Do you think Reggie shouting scabs every five minutes is hurting that yeah, for her? Mm, I do. Okay. Although I'm having a great time with it. Totally. Also, Reggie's cut to the chase much was just oh, very enjoyable with the Reggie, he's the Ice Man. He's the Ice Man. He's not. He doesn't do small talk. Reggie is sort of a better Archie for Veronica, I think, because he isn't as much of a wild card. He's sort of a little bit more focused on their actual business. I I still love uh, their relation, their bu- perhaps budding relationship. We got to see how Geraldo is going to join. Yeah, this. he seems there. Full time now, like he's just a member of the casino. He's inviting in wise guys, which was also oh, just man, very funny guys. and blunt. But yeah, do you think there's going to be potentially a little bit of a romance thing between Geraldo and Veronica? Potentially, it feels that way. But again, the way Geraldo's set up is like he's just like a, a random guy. Like I don't know. Yeah, he's all he doesn't business. have he doesn't have the same like vibe as. Reggie or any of the other sort of main characters. He feels very much. Well, what about, do you think there's going to be any romance between Veronica and that big old nerd who came in to tell them about the body? (laughs) There's a body in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's an inter-office romance. If so, we'll see what happens. How dare Uh, you? We've definitely skipped past a bunch of things that happened in this episode, but what else do you guys want to call out that we can talk about? Uh, well, I think let's talk about, should we talk about the end a little bit with, um, just the, the, the Betty and like what, and, and the, oh, and the murder board, but, but Betty coming back, uh, uh she, I mean, having a TV show that kind of like, Hey, what I'd miss and just like, like uh, trying to recap Riverdale, even to Betty as she's been away for a day is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, shout out to Lily Reinhardt in particular for reactions there, being like, "Whoa, really? Yeah. What? I liked that." And honestly, this is my I first will... time in Riverdale. You don't say the the Barchi relationship as a place where they really come home to each other and decompress Ugh. after their day Duke. of building yourself. houses and fighting Die, serial killers. It's beautiful. No. What she do you can't think? even have the lights on. She can't even that this relationship is literally killing her. Nothing you happens with relationships in the dark. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's way easier to have the lights. She just gets off. a headache as soon as, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of light. Yeah. There's only one cure for a headache. To, that's why I'm married to a lighthouse keeper. Smart. <laughs> Gotta keep Smart. the lights on all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, very intense th- light. <laughs> What do you think uh, TBK is doing in Maine? She lost him in Maine. Do you think it was like he stopped well, off for probably, some lobster or something? Yeah, lobster, lobster roll. roll. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You got to – I mean, come on. Yeah. Wait, Norm- Maine. Maine. 
Normally I murder humans, but now I'm going to murder this lobster roll. Nom, 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 nom. Do you have a napkin? I just... Yeah, and I'll throw it away. I'm, tra- I'm a trash bag bin. man. Yeah, I got my own <laughs> trash bags. They're duct taped on me, but I can, you know. Vacation land, you say? Okay, I'll yeah. come up here. I don't my need real to name? kill for a couple. My real name? It's Dennis. <laughs> I'm a guy named Dennis. <laughs> uh, yeah, the stuff with Betty at the end is interesting. Like we talked about, I wonder if it is going to potentially get worse. Um what if now at the NBC Percival has all of the main cast headshots on their wall? I feel like he could be <laughs> hunting them as a power sucker, or he could be a casting agent who put together the TV show Riverdale, and he's like just wanted to pop by to see how it's going. Could be that. Uh, I really liked. I'll while give I'm these looking- kids their start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, while I'm looking through my notes here, I really liked the villagers of Riverdale, just sort of like the hubbub that was going on when Jughead was listening in on everything because they're always like, oh, that's all bad. That's terrible. Yeah. Taxes. You know, oh, no. I, no taxes. Uh, I like oh, low I like taxes, not high taxes. Like taxes. Uh, I wanted he, someone to be like, I want some lasagna right now. <laughs> some sort <laughs> of random. Thing. Like, I know they need to do this for TV and I don't actually have a problem with this, but the clarity with which Jughead is hearing everybody's thoughts is off the charts. Yeah, he's very good. He's very powerful. Yes. I another thing I wrote down. Um, oh, uh, Cheryl saying delightsome. Uh, actually, Abigail saying delightsome as she walked in, and just all of Abigail's language throughout the episode is ludicrous. Like, just not even true to the period or anything like that. It's just messing up words all over the place, and it's very fun. I really love the Cheryl. Uh, uh, kind of mini Cheryl uh, team up here. This is really going to be fun when when they uh, kind of get out of the dreamscape. Yeah. And what did you think about Bingo showing up, Pete? He ate some dog food in this episode. Lovely. Yeah. Good stuff. What does it mean? How many legs were broken from Bingo today? Our our Bingo leg counter has not uh, updated. It I yet. count. I did look at the. Like, would he pat, pat it in there on his tiny little dog feet? I was like, four legs look all good. Four Looking legs good, look bingo. all good. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did really enjoy, uh, just to skip around a little bit and talk about favorite parts, when uh, uh, Reggie threw okay. down, like, a, a steno pad and a pen and was like, I crunched the numbers, and uh, business-wise, we're not doing good. I was like, really, Reg? You, you crunched the numbers, did you? Oh, he crunches numbers. Yeah, he He's a number crunches. cruncher. He's good at it. We already established that. Uh, what did you think about right back at the beginning of the episode when we're getting that montage? Seems like Alice and Frank have moved forward with their relationship. It's the morning. They're together. They're having breakfast. I know. I'm never with anyone in the morning unless I'm in a deep physical relationship with them. <laughs> Noon, noons for friends. The afternoons for friends. The mornings for lovers. Wow. <laughs> Pete, how do you feel uh, about that? Are you into the Frank and Alice relationship? I mean, I'm more of an F Palace guy, you know, mm-hmm. but uh Really? I'm, I'm glad uh uh, Al, you know, Alice is happy. Um, I don't know. It seems to be bringing like, out the absolute worst in her. So, oh yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So maybe it's not a good. Uh, maybe it's not a good team up. Do you think Percival's going to go in and mess this up? I feel like he may use Alice uh, because of her television influence on the public access station. I guess. Sure. But I feel like there's a chance he may get in the middle between Frank and Alice. 
Yeah, I can see that happen. I mean, I think he's going to get in the middle of everybody, right? First thing we'll probably see the next episode is whatever reason he's going to be a deputy in the police department, which is I just, just weird. I really British hope deputy? Archie makes some time for Bobby? Jughead to uh, finally sit down and talk because I was getting a little like, hey, we should talk. More insane things happen. Hey, uh, can you pencil me in uh, later next week sometime? Or no, they we- did talk. They talked between seeds. So yeah, Jughead, panel. Yeah, Jughead talked to Archie about his mind powers and Percival and everything, and that's what he was bringing Betty up to speed on at the end of the episode. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the three of them at least working together. I still would love to bring Veronica into that mix, but I don't know. At least they're all together on stuff. That's good. Before we wrap That's up here, nice. why don't we talk about the MVP of the episode? Justin, who is your MVP this episode? Oof. Uh, great episode. Lots of things happening. Um, I think I got to give it up to uh, – I got to give it up to Reggie. Uh, I think in this episode, wow. uh, just his dedication to scams really warmed my heart. Nice. He truly is the littlest rascal. I'm going to say Penelope this wow. episode. Loved great. Penelope in this episode. She's always great, but she was so over the top. It was basically like, just let Natalie Bolt go. Absolutely insane. Um, very, very fun. Terrifying, but very fun. Pete, what about you? Who's your MVP? Uh, Britta finally choosing a side was huge. Um, and also, uh, Kevin before he got, uh, hammered, uh, it was, I, guys, come on, stop. Kevin stop before Kevin. he got hammered. Okay. After he got hammered, or, you didn't like him anymore? I'm just so worried about Kevin and I, you can't keep doing this to him. You know what I mean? Oh, Wow, really sad at the end there. I I agree with you. He will see. Clearly, he's getting some sort of a plot line next episode that's going to bring him into conflict with Tony and Fangs. So that should be interesting to see. And if you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. And now it's time for corrections. Just a couple quick <laughs> notes here, folks. Uh, a barn is what Nana Rose is in. It's a place where hay is. Um, I said Wolf Women Want came out in the 90s. It came out in the year 2000. You don't need to watch that movie. And everything Pete said was weird. <laughs> <laughs>